Guys, welcome to our workshop, Character and Leadership. Appreciate you guys coming out. Uh, we're excited to share with you guys um, what we've prepared. I think it's a fantastic topic. It's really broad. But there's lots to cover. But first, we just want to introduce ourselves. Uh, my name is Nathan. Uh, as I said yesterday, I work here at the school. I work in the recruitment department. So I get to tell people about this school. I get to go over, uh, around to youth groups, youth conferences, help people uh, walk through the decision of whether or not they want to go to Bible college, help them process applications. And so that's my job. Uh, but one of the things I get to do is help out with this more conference. I get to participate in this. And it's one of the biggest highlights of the year. And so, yeah, I'm excited for this weekend every year. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'm uh, Ben. I'm a third-year student here. I'm in the pastoral theology program. Um, and I'm also a student ambassador on campus. So what that means is, is basically I got to be uh, Nathan's right-hand man when it comes to going across um, all of BC just to go and to support um, and to promote our school. We get to just um, be the ambassadors for what Summit is. Also, I get the amazing privilege to be a part of the Moore Conference as well. So we get to, there's uh, two other ambassadors and the three of us and Nathan get a huge role in just helping organize uh, what this looks like and then get to share some of our thoughts and stuff in workshops like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as you know, uh, the title of this one is Character and Leadership. You saw it on the door. You see it on that uh, paper in front of you. And so we want to start off. Uh, just by starting to get our brains uh, thinking about this topic. And so you'll see the first question at the top of uh, that worksheet. I want you guys to take a moment on your own, uh, this isn't uh, a group thing, and answer that first question. Do we have more? Do we have more sheets? Yeah, we do. Um, Take a minute, think of a leader in your life, somebody who has embodied character, and I want you to just list down uh, a couple words some things that you would say, these are traits of a, le- a leader with good character. These are things that come to mind when I think of a leader in my life. Maybe it's been a youth pastor, another youth leader, just a pastor, or just a parent, a family member in your life that's uh, modeled character. So take a, just a couple moments, and then we'll follow up. So, I know that wasn't too much time, but uh, does anybody want to share some of the things that they wrote down on their paper? Smile. A smile. Love it. Super practical. Anyone else? Charismatic. Charismatic. Someone who's level-headed and patient. Level-headed, patience. Welcoming. Welcoming. Real. Real. Authentic. Good. They lead with both their head and their heart. Head and heart. Powerful. Integrity. It's good. Willing to be awkward. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I'm pretty awkward sometimes. It's funny. <laughs> 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 Intentionally and unintentionally. 
It's good. Guys, those are great things. I love that list. Uh, the reason that we want to talk about this is because we believe uh, that character and leadership go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, we believe that you can't be a leader without having character. That character is ultimately the backbone, the skeleton, if you will, of leadership. If you don't have character, you're just like a saggy bag of flesh. <laughs> like I don't, I don't believe that there is any substance to a leader that doesn't have a solid character at the foundation of their leadership. Um, but I believe culture says something different. I think uh, not that these things aren't good, but I believe that oftentimes culture says that leadership is more about uh, how much energy you have, how much power influence you have, how much... Uh, how charismatic you are, how excited you are. And I think, not that those things are necessarily bad, but I think our culture so often puts more weight on that, on like the personality of a leader rather than the character and the foundation of what a, a real Christian leadership is. And so we want to spend a little bit of time here uh, talking about, uh, really talking about what the Bible says about these things. And so Ben's going to give us some scriptural examples of this. Yeah, so we just want to walk through a few characters that we see that are really set the base of what character is. If you look at character, it's honestly throughout the entire Bible. So, like, there's so many things that we could grab. So we just grabbed a few. Um, the first one I'm going to look at is Daniel, because Daniel is our theme for the weekend. Um, and Daniel is a person who, as we talked about last night, like, he had such discipline in his life. And it was actually that his character is what promoted him to what his leadership was. It was that was like the core of what it was, and the second person we want to talk to about is Moses, um, and Moses uh, was a, a key role because he was so obedient right off the bat, and he actually wasn't that capable in his uh, competency. He wasn't actually that great of a leader. He couldn't speak. Uh, he had a mad stutter, but it was his character what is what set him apart from that. Also from uh, Joseph, like just super consistent, consistent people, and then David is one that's kind of unique. Because David had a life that was constantly failing. He had so many things in his life that were constantly, like, tripping him up. But his heart was always one of character, always going back and seeing what God's heart actually is. And then finally, uh, Jesus. Um, a pretty key, the role model of character, the role model of everything that it is that uh, we believe and what we want to model after. And um, these are just some, like, some high standards of what character and what leadership actually is. And often, position is given to the posture of the heart rather than the performance of the leader. And the the posture of where we are, the character, the DNA, or the backbone, as we already said, of leadership is really what drives you forward and will often be why people are pushed into position, not just because you're good at what it, or you can speak well. Yeah. And we, we want to broaden leadership uh, to our, our vocabulary there, the definition of that word. I think we think of the word leadership and we think uh, a youth pastor or we think of somebody who actually has some kind of role or title. Uh, but I want to broaden that because I believe all of you guys are in this room because you do carry a level of influence. You do carry a level of leadership, title or no title. Uh, and so I don't want you guys to think this doesn't apply to me because I think these scriptural examples uh, that, that Ben just listed to us are scriptural examples that apply to all of us as Christians, as disciples, as followers of Jesus that are all called to also bring other people along to Jesus. These same standards and expectations apply to you guys. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we look at our youth pastor, the people that are you know a few steps ahead of us, our pastors, and we think, yeah, like they're being held to a higher standard, but I'm not. I'm young. 
I'm still in high school. Like, I'm not graduated yet. I haven't gone to Bible college yet. I haven't, you know, but that's not true. I believe that these same standards apply to you guys, the age that you are, the, the stage of life that you're in, and I believe that it will impact uh, the, your influence even within your school, your communities, wherever it is that you find yourself on a weekly basis. Um, but we know uh, the reality is is that sometimes, sometimes uh, character doesn't exist in leaders. I think we can probably all think of examples of leaders in our lives or even in the news sometimes uh, of leaders who have failed, Christian leaders who have failed. Uh, they've, they've not taken their character seriously and it has impacted in incredible ways. And so there's a next question on there, on your sheet. I think it's worded, uh, do you know somebody that has used their influence, their influence, their leadership poorly? How did that impact you? Mm-hmm. And if maybe you can't think of uh, a leader that hasn't necessarily used their influence poorly in your life, think of examples that you've seen around you. I think we can all associate with that because we live in such a broken world. All right, guys, does anybody want to tell me what you wrote down? Uh, how can leaders who have failed or use their influence poorly, how can it impact those that they lead? Whether that be yourself or, again, like somebody else you've seen uh, impacted by a leader who's failed. Mm-hmm. Dan? Uh, for me, I said it made me feel disappointed but it simultaneously challenged me to want to tighten up my character. It's good. It's good. Mm. Randy? Uh, made me feel empathy mm. for others who have created that boat because the before I met the particular leader that I'm thinking of, I couldn't understand why people I knew would complain about church as much as they did. So when I experienced a leader in that manner, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I understand them now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Influence used poorly, how it impacted you. One more person. Um, maybe just like like teaching things like out of context or like kind of like not seeming mm. careful. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that can really like 
threaten people's image of God. Yeah, totally. That's good. Mm-hmm. How would that impact you? Like, it would frustrate me, and it could possibly, like, confuse me or another person. Mm-hmm. Or, like, even, like, depending on what it is, like, cause someone to abandon their faith completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally, Yeah. I think it's huge, the influence that leaders hold. I, I think we don't always recognize how it impacts those uh, that are following us and are influenced by us. I think so often uh, we, we think of failure and leadership as these really big things. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear things on the news about these televangelists or these megachurch pastors uh, who have failed morally, whether that be something that's tied to some sex scandal, uh, something about embezzling money, or something about power, maybe they're abusing the, the leadership team that's within the church. We hear about these things uh, quite often, and they're these, these big things. And I think for us, it's like, oh, like, that's like, that, I don't really, I don't really like, connect with that. Like, that's not something that's going to happen to me. Uh, but then to bring it a little bit closer, I, I think that there's a bit of naivety to think that that could never be us. Because I look, even in this province, I know many examples, I, I have known some of them personally, of, of leaders within the church that have failed morally, that have made the same mistakes as those ones that are publicized on TV, and it has not only impacted that individual, but it's impacted that church as a whole. It has uh, destroyed youth ministries, and uh, young people that were walking towards Jesus are no longer serving him at all, because the leader that was supposed to lead them towards Jesus, the student leaders that were supposed to embody that, uh, had failed them. And I think to bring it even a little bit closer to home, I believe failed leadership mm-hmm. doesn't always mean that you no longer have the position. I believe failed leadership doesn't mean that you're on TV, but I believe sometimes failed leaders can, can still have the position and still be functioning in the role of a leader, but because they don't have character, their leadership is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or worse, it's actually pulling people further away from Jesus. I believe that leadership is in the small things, like Kim was sharing last night. So important. The small things count so much in our leadership. Leaders need to watch their attitude, their behaviors, their habits, the things they joke about, because it impacts those that are being led. The cost is so great. Uh, John Maxwell, he's like this author, pastor guy, he said something uh, really profound. He said, we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. We teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. Your character is what you are. Your character isn't something that you should just be teaching, but it should be something that you really, really live out. Mm -hmm. It should be who you are. And that speaks so much louder than just your words. Mm -hmm. As student leaders, uh, in your youth ministries, even in your schools, as the Christians in your schools, your lifestyle and how you carry yourself in those places is going to speak so much louder than just your words. So much louder than just your Facebook profile saying that your religion is, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Your actions and and the little things are what really, really, really count. And I believe that there's, there's lives, there's eternities that are going to be impacted by the level of character that you display, by the level of character that you have. People will see you and they'll know that person is a Christian. That is my youth leader in my youth ministry. Again, whether it be in a secular or Christian setting, they'll see you. And if they know that, okay, this is a leader, this is somebody who is supposed to look like Jesus, they will 
take that very seriously. I believe people will take that very seriously. And so I, I want to challenge you guys not to think that any of this doesn't apply to you because all of this applies to each and every one of you on a very real level. That's right. That's right. So um, today what we really want to do is we want to be super practical with you guys because honestly the reason why that we decided to talk about character is because us as a school, we're making a stand that we're sick and tired of leaders who are failing. We're, we're not okay with it. We believe if you embody Christ, that these aren't attributes that should be happening. If you are actually representing who Christ is, these failures probably shouldn't be happening. These big news stories shouldn't be happening. And uh, enough's enough. And we're not okay with it. And we know that it starts with you guys. It starts with the small things. But on the other side of that, we also understand that no leader is perfect. So, like, understand that everything that we're talking about, there is, like, some great, there's grace in it in the sense of like, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart of what we're doing, why we're doing it, and that's really where it starts. And um, so like, understand that like, we're not expecting, like, oh, if you're missing one of these, you suck as a leader. That's not what we're saying at all. We're just trying to be, uh, we're just be honest with you, and here are some things that like, we need to keep in check as leaders. These are things that we need to constantly be re- like, re- going back to and looking at if we decide that we want to be people of uh, God's ambassadors, if we want to be that person. So we were going to go through seven lacks, and what we see are um, seven things that these failed leaders have missed. And um, this list is not exhaustive. It's very, very long, and it took us a while to actually narrow it down to just seven of them. So understand that there might be some stuff missing in it. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're going to do our best to, to share these things with you. So the first thing that we want to talk about um, for leadership is failed leaders often lack focus. And this is a concept that um, has been something that's been really stirring in my heart because um, there's this author called Simon Sinek. Uh, he has a bunch of TED Talks and stuff. Um, and one of the things that he talks about in one of the books that he wrote is called uh, Start With Why. And the entire book, basically summed up in an analogy, is he compares Apple and Windows, um, two companies. And he says, like, Windows, they're like... We create computers, we create good computers, and they're fantastic. Um, So you should buy our product, because it's the best one out there. And Apple is like, um, we are innovators, we believe that we are creatives, that we're going to change the world, and we're actually going to make our uh, mark on the world. And we just happen to make computers. So everything circles around the why they do this. They want to make an impact in the world, they want to make a difference in the world. And the reason why they do it is what everything stems out of, rather than trying to produce a sermon, a great word, or whatnot. The reason why I preach, the reason why we do things like this, is because we want Jesus to be spread around the earth. We want these things to be done. So everything stems out of why. And often, uh, we get very distracted by this. Um, I think of this Instagram video that I recently just watched, and it was a dog show. And there was this dog, there was this, like, one competition where the dog had to, like, just run to the owner, and there was a bunch of toys around, and this one dog just, like, beelines it to the owner, and then, like, a golden retriever came up, and there was a bunch of toys, and he was lost. He was like, oh my gosh, there's balls everywhere, freaking out, and I often think that this is, like, the definition and the situation that we can be in when it comes to leadership, and fear is often the first thing that distracts us from it. Um, I don't know if you guys see on Instagram all the time your friends, your buddies that go out to the workout in the gym, work out to the gym, and they got all my grind and stuff like that. I'm like, are you on your grind? Because like, if you were, we would actually probably just see the results if you just showed up and you didn't take a picture of it on Instagram. But I don't know, just saying. 
Um, so, really, what we want to do is you understand that, like, our focus, if you're actually focused, it's going to be just coming out of your life. It's going to be totally out of your life. And um, I looked at the story uh, in First Samuel. Uh, the Philistines and um, Israel are at war. The Philistines have, like, Israel in this battle. They're in this, they're in this situation. They're, like, at them. And what they did, the Philistines, in order to, like, stop Israel from working, is they took away all of their blacksmiths. In First uh, Samuel 19, it says, No blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel, because the Philistines had said, Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears out of them. So what I want to say is that, like, if you have a gift, you've got a gift. If you've got power, you've got power. If you have something in your life that God's given you, Satan can't take that away. He can't take that away. But what he can do is he can stop you from working with what you have. He can stop you and distract you from what your purpose is. He can stop you and actually take away your blacksmith and what your life and whatever your gift is. Because if he's not going to destroy you, he's going to distract you. So as leaders, we want to be focused on what it is that God has called us to. And we want to just be able to be so focused on why and the reason why we do things. Because if anything falls outside of the why, often it doesn't matter. Often it doesn't matter. Um, and the second thing that we want to talk about um, here is is boundaries. And how that how how do we focus on boundaries? Because we can we can be focused, but how do we actually practically do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we believe that leaders who fail often lack to implement boundaries in their lives. Does anybody in here know what a definition of boundaries like? What does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Yeah. Um, a boundary is like a uh, a point you don't go beyond. Mm-hmm. So, like a physical boundary would be like a really big wall that you just couldn't get past. That's a physical <laughs> boundary. But like a, I suspect you're thinking more boundaries, yeah. like more like personal space yeah. boundaries, and like not overstepping in what you say boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we use the word boundaries because we use it in other terms. Walls and fences and, like, parameters of our property uh, because the the imagery there is really powerful. Uh, I believe that leaders who fail often lack boundaries in their life, uh, not on their property, not necessarily a wall, (laughs) but, like, the analogy there is powerful because uh, boundaries are things that we set up. They're articulated parameters we set up in our lives to protect us. They're things we set up to ensure that we're protected uh, from falling into temptation, to falling into sin, falling into things that will lead us uh, away from Jesus and ultimately impact our leadership and our character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so as leaders, we need to set up boundaries in many areas of our lives. Uh, when I think of this, uh, to, to, to help bring some understanding to it, I think of somebody who's trying to quit smoking. Uh, as uh, somebody who's trying to quit smoking, I'm not, but I, I'm not trying to quit smoking. Um, I, I don't smoke at all. <laughs> but let's pretend somebody else is trying uh, to quit smoking, is smoking, trying to quit smoking. <laughs> and uh, I think a practical way of implementing boundaries for that person is removing the last pack of cigarettes out of their house, removing the lighters, getting all of that stuff out of the way so it's not a temptation for them. It would be pretty foolish for somebody who's trying to quit smoking to leave that last pack of cigarettes in the drawer in the kitchen, to leave that last pack of cigarettes in their pickup truck. That doesn't make any sense because I believe that implementing boundaries is putting up 
walls, is putting up these things in our lives, these, these, these lines that we say, I'm not going to cross this because I know that as I continue to uh, approach this line, as I continue to leave that pack of cigarettes in the drawer, I'm going to be tempted. I'm going to uh, end up falling or there's a greater chance that I'm going to end up falling. And so implementing boundaries can be very practical. And sometimes it's not even necessarily this, uh, it's not like the Bible outlines these boundaries that we're even supposed to implement in our lives. Mm-hmm. God calls us to live to a certain standard. And for me, implementing boundaries is like with my, with my girlfriend. Uh, I'm not dating. I'm married now, but I, I look back to when I was, I was dating. Man, having a hard time. Uh, I'm, I'm married now, but when I was, when I was dating my now wife, uh, Victoria, we sat down and we are clearly articulated boundaries in our relationship. These are things that we want to hold to. These are things that we want to ensure, whether that be physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, even spiritual boundaries. We can talk about that if you have questions uh, later. That's a big topic. But implementing these practical things that say we're not going to cross these lines because we know if we cross these lines, we could end up making some stupid mistakes. We could end up damaging ourselves, our leadership, our influence on other people's lives. Boundaries are incredibly crucial, and leaders who fail often lack boundaries in their life. That's right. We look at somebody like uh, Billy Graham. You guys might not know who Billy Graham is. Billy Graham was probably, still is probably one of the biggest evangelists to ever live. His impact was incredibly huge. Mm-hmm. He was an evangelist, so he traveled all over the world and told people about Jesus. Many, 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 like millions of people have come to know Jesus because of his ministry. That's not an exaggeration. Millions of people have come to know Jesus because of his ministry. And he is one of the few evangelist that has made it so big, that has made such a big name uh, for himself, he's no longer with us, uh, but has made such a big name without there being genuine, real uh, scandals surrounding him. So many of these pastors and these evangelists and these, these people that we see, uh, have they, they lack boundaries in some areas of their life. But the reason that Billy Graham was able to consistently for so many years uh, make such a great impact without being uh, thwarted with uh, these issues is because he's implemented such, he implemented such great boundaries in his life. Something as practical, practical as saying, you know, uh, for me and my team, the team that he worked with, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to be in a room with a female alone where there might be any question of what happened in that room. I'm going to make sure there's always three people in that room. And so maybe that's not what you're going to do in your life. That's not, I'm not here to tell you what boundaries you need to implement. Uh, it's, it's for uh, where you're at in your life. But that's just, I think that's so powerful that somebody would recognize boundaries are so important. And I don't want anybody, I don't want to tempt myself at all, but I also don't want other people uh, to see and perceive things that may not be true. Yeah, yeah and then from, from there, the next step of that is that often leaders who fail lack accountability. So you can have great boundaries. You can be like, I'm going to stop smoking. It's going to be great. And not tell anybody. And it's pretty easy to slip back into it. Um, I wouldn't know. But, um, never mind, Nathan won't either. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, is like accountability is huge. And accountability is really just the next step of what boundaries look like. And often accountability, um, it's, it's, I find it very important. And we've decided that we've want, we want to tell you guys that it's super important to have accountability with somebody who actually might have something that it has a lot on the line. For instance, for me, in my life, um, the person who I would say that keeps me the most accountable is my pastor. And with my pastor, is he knows a lot about my leadership and the specific things. 
But there's so much on the line that I could lose if I just trip up or I uh, mess up because of it that he is able to keep me accountable because I know that there's so much on the line. And when you're actually to put something on the line and you're actually willing to risk it, you'll often invest more. It's like a gym membership. If, I don't know why I'm on this gym thing, but I don't even go to the gym. I have a gym membership, though, so um, on my grind. Um, so um, the, you can have a gym membership, but often people that get like the free trials, they won't go and they won't invest because they haven't invested anything into it. Often, I learned this in business, if you don't pay like a top dollar for something, often you're thinking that you, you're getting less of it. So there's actually like a, a part that you need, to, you need to be able to invest in it and you have to have something on the line. And this is something that I find that's super um, in, important when it comes to accountability. And uh, on top of that, see, the thing that we need to understand, I'm gonna, I've, I've been talking about Satan a lot. I, I, the reason why is because I believe if we're Christians and we're people that are willing to fight the fight, that it's so important to know who our enemy is. And if we know who our enemy is, that if like I'm playing basketball and I know that that team is specifically good at this thing, then I'm going to counteract the exact thing that I know that they're good at. So I think it's really important to know who our enemy is. And what Satan often does, and here's a little Bible theology for you, um, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, always at the same time. He's there, he's here, he's always there at the same time. Satan is not. He is not omnipresent. So often what he'll do is he'll come to you and he'll set things up and set traps that you will constantly get caught up in. Because he can't be there all the time to trip you up. So you'll set things in your life so that they will trip you up. Um, so I think it's so important that we're, we're constantly looking at these things. And accountability and people that know the weaknesses in your life that, that are able to speak to those things and know that, hey, there's a lot on the line. We have decided to live to this standard. We've decided to live to this expectation. So we're actually going to live it out, and we're actually going to be accountable to each other and for it. Um, one Again, Billy Graham is a great man of faith. And one thing that he did, especially because one of the biggest things that uh, would happen with televangelists would be money scandals. Money scandals were huge, and people uh, just love to get greedy. But Billy Graham was like, no, 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 we're going to be set apart and we're going to be different. So he made available all of his financial records, all of his ministry's financial records, because if people know, then I'm going to have to be accountable for it. And if those people in your life that you decided that they're going to keep me accountable, they have to know because then I have to be accountable for it and you don't have any choice. Yeah. Next one is leaders who fail often don't have good friends. And we put good there because we mean good friends. (laughs) Um, I think, how many of you guys have heard the line, don't judge me? Just Just that. Just don't judge me. (laughs) I think in Christian circles, I don't like hearing that line. I don't think it necessarily applies to Christian circles. Um, And now I say that with, take that with a, a grain of salt. Let me explain. Because... I believe that as Christians, as brothers and sisters, as co-leaders and influencers in our churches and in our schools, uh, we're called to sharpen each other. We're called to hold each other to a higher standard. We're called to be good friends to each other. And sometimes I think that means judging the actions of our fellow brothers and sisters and saying, you're out of line here. You need to raise it to the next standard. Not coming from a place of comparing, not coming from a place of just judging for the sake of judging, but actually encouraging and challenging our friends to go to the higher standard because we see what God is capable of doing in and through them, and so we call them to that higher standard. And so we need 
good friends in our lives. Oftentimes, leaders who are failing, have they might have friends, but their friends are content with their sinful behavior, and everybody's standard just lowers because everyone's okay with it. Oh, it's all right. Like, yeah, like so-and-so might be sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend, so, you know, it's not that big of a deal if I do. Have a question? How would we correct getting better friends that are actually, like, declared good? That's a great question. I think uh, you look most like the five people that you hang out with. Wait, did I say that backwards? You look most like the five people yeah, you hang out with the most. Uh, and so I think that it doesn't necessarily mean just like cutting people out of your life. But I mean, I, I think it means maybe spending less time with those people that aren't good influences on you, that aren't good friends, and introducing more people that are good, finding people uh, that are also passionate about Christ, finding people that are also passionate about actually looking more and more like him, developing their character. And so I don't, I think sometimes people could take this and be like, oh, like I I can't be friends with these people anymore. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it just means like, like balancing your life out a little bit more so that you have like more good people than you do people that are going to pull you down. Also, if I were to speak that, um, the thing I would also say is often, because I had a similar situation uh, growing up, where there were some people that, like, they were like, yeah, like, we like this church thing, but, like, we aren't, like, super invested. I decided that I'm going to, like, I'm going to be the change that I want to see. So, like, I, w- I would, you know what, like, I wouldn't necessarily right off the bat be like, hey, like, you shouldn't be doing this, but, like, I would live to a different standard, and o- when that happens, often people are provoked and be like, oh, Something needs to change. So I encourage you to just be the change that you want to see, and you will very quickly see that, like, those people will often be like, I want that what that want, what they want, because, like, it's, it's very, very infectious. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, have good friends in your lives. One of my best friends, actually, Dan Smith, he's in here right now. Uh, him, <laughs> best buddy. <laughs> um, what we... In our friendship, we hold each other to a higher standard. Uh, we're not content with either of us slipping or falling short. And so we're const- he lives out on the island. I'm obviously over here. Uh, but we will constantly call each other, contact each other, and just check in. Like, how are things going? Where, where are you at? Whether that be purity, uh, whether that be your, your leadership role. Like, where are you at? How are things going? How can we be praying for each other? We'll pray for each other, encourage each other. But ultimately, it's just about calling each other to a higher standard. Uh, so have friends in your lives. Develop those relationships now. Now that will continue on into adulthood, uh, that will just continue to propel you, sharpen you, and grow uh, your your leadership. Yeah. Uh, the another thing that we believe that uh, people who fail in leadership is they lack integrity. Um, I believe right off the bat somebody said integrity, um, and it's it's so so important because I truly believe that like. The everyday matters, the mundane matters, everything that you do, the little details. Like, I, I think there's, a, there's a, um, a saying called the devil's in the details. And it's like every little tiny thing matters. And it's so important that we're living it out every day. So practically, what does that look like? It can look like entertainment. It can look like the wrong Netflix show. It can um, often look like uh, what your friends and stuff are hanging out and watching. Um, some movies um, that are out, and it's so easy to just go and watch. It can also be, like, who you follow on Instagram. Because um, I found myself, uh, the more and more that I got convicted about these things, I was like, ah, I don't really need that person in my life. I don't really need that uh, constantly bombarding me. Um, and uh, Facebook is probably, like, the breeding ground for negative people. Um, <laughs> everybody has to have an, an issue or something. So that, that's something that we can really do. Um, 
And often when you're lacking integrity, people will, will see it. People see it. Uh, another one that we said is that uh, real leaders, are they're, they're real. They're genuine people. They're people that are actually like, if you uh, rub shoulders with them in the market or like during sports or preaching in the pulpit, they're the same person. They're consistent. They're, these people are, consi- are constantly consistent. And uh, often what this looks like is we as leaders have to give up some of our freedom. Um, and it sucks, but if, we're, if we want to be held to a higher standard, we often have to give up a little bit of our freedom to be in the freedom of Christ. Um, some of the, hey, I want to go watch this movie, hey, I want to watch this Netflix show, I'll be honest, I really want to watch Game of Thrones. It looks so sweet, everybody says that it looks amazing, everybody that I know that have watched it um, says it's amazing, but there's something inside me that I'm like, no, that's not okay, because I know how much of... Uh, sexual content there is in it and that to me I'm giving up that freedom because I want to be fully integral to what it is that Christ has called me um, the there's a scripture in first Peter 3 uh, 16 it says with gentleness and respect maintain a clean conscience so that those who slander you for living a pure life in Christ will have to lie about you and will be ashamed because uh, of their slander that's like straight up like just be who it is that you say that you are. Because when people come against you, and it doesn't say if people will come against you, it says when people will come against you, because that's going to happen in leadership. No matter how good you are, no matter um, you're the cleanest, purest person, even Billy Graham, there's so many people that came against him and tried to make things up, and after it was all done and finished, it turned out to be a lie. They have to make things up about you. Um, in the every in this, the everyday matters. And there's this principle, it's called the one-day principle. This is something that radically changed my world recently, and I've shared it probably three times already in the, our more meetings. Um, but it's the one day. In Acts 3, um, after the, the big revival of the early church happened, in Acts 3, Peter and John were walking, and they said one day... They were walking. That's the entire start of the chapter. And after that, the, there was a beggar that was healed in his land. It was just a regular day. And they met somebody. I have been changed by this because the one day could be that one person that you've been praying for every single day. For me, that one day is my brother Nathan. Nathan is the one person that I do everything for. That is that one person who I pray for. That is that one person that I, when I'm up in a pulpit, I'm preaching to Nathan even though he's not in the room. If he's, um, even this, right now, some of this content, I'm like, Nathan would hear this. Nate, this would change his life. This would radically change everything that he does. And if it was that one day, if today was the day that he came and he saw something that I did that changed his life, then I'm going to do it hard every day. If I knew that he was coming to church, I'd be going freaking out and being like, hey, greeters, I need you to greet as hard as you can because Nathan's <laughs> coming today. I need you to like... Pastor, like, please bring the word today because I know that Nathan is coming today. Today is that one day. Today is going to change. So integrity is that one day being every single day of your life. Every single day of your life. And I believe that this is a key, key role of what it is that we've, yeah. we've done and that we need to have as leaders. Mm-hmm. We need to have as leaders. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I, I wasn't going to say anything here, but I, even like what we're talking about in the chapel services, it's, it's all been about Daniel. It's going to be about Daniel tonight and tomorrow morning. And I was reading an article, or uh, I was reading a, 
a paper uh, about Daniel. And he's like one of the few Christian leaders in scripture where there's literally like nothing negative written about him in scripture. Like he was such a man of integrity that people literally had to make things up about him in order to remove him from the, the like level of leadership and influence that he had. People literally had to make things up. Because he had, like, no blemish. People didn't notice anything about him. And I want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person uh, that if somebody has, like, beef with me, that they have to make things up because there's no substance uh, in anything that they might have against me. Yeah. Uh, The next thing that we believe leaders who fail uh, lack is grace. Is grace. And again, I want to say once again that uh, just because somebody has a leadership role uh, and... uh, just because somebody has a leadership role doesn't mean they're not like failing in their leadership. And I think this is one of those things that leaders can still be in a leadership role, but they can be really messing this up like really poorly uh, and still be in their leadership role. But nobody's actually being led closer and closer to Jesus. Leaders uh, who don't extend grace, I believe they don't have uh, a good understanding of what it was that Jesus first did for them. Uh, they forget that Christ showed them grace first, that Christ died for them, that he forgave all of their sins and continues to uh, cover them. Uh, they forget that, and they don't extend it to anyone else. And I don't need to spend too much time on this, because I think this is a, a very obvious one and easy to understand. Um, but Christ, he never gave up on people, but I think many leaders who fail give up on people, and they end up hurting people. Um, yeah, they often have little compassion uh, for other people. And I think, like, a little bit of a side note to this one. Oftentimes, I see people who have, like, leadership or, or in some kind of leadership role, mm-hmm. and they come across, uh, they want to come across as very, like, intellectual and intelligent, um, but really what it is is a level of cynicism. Yeah, I think a good. lot of people that get uh, elevated into the leadership roles and have influence for some reason, there's this level of cynicism that they get towards other leaders, towards the people that, the, that are, are following them. They think that they know better. They think that uh, they could do it better than, than they start comparing. Um, and I often think it's because at the root of it, they don't fully understand grace. They don't have that same uh, compassion for other people uh, that Christ showed them once again. And so grace is huge. Grace is huge. Um, it's the root of our salvation. Um, and ultimately needs to be the root of our character as well. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that uh, we believe that failed leaders lack is submission. And uh, I'm just going to read from First Corinthians. It says, By the grace of God... Um, oh, sorry, I'm going to go back to the verse. Um, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not, uh, was without, was not without effect, but I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God is what that was with me. Um, this is Paul uh, writing about how he was, like he said, one of the least of the apostles. Now, this is like kind of tough for me because this is like a, a soft flex of like Paul, I feel like. He's like, I did work harder than everybody, but I'm like, I'm not that good. It's fine. But like I worked harder than everybody. And essentially um, what this scripture really means to me and what it says is that um, no matter like how hard you work, no matter what you do, no matter everything that you do, you could preach your hardest. You could give the best Bible study in the world. You could bring your entire school to your youth group. At the end of the day, it all boils down to God. At the end of the day, it all boils down to who you are and what you're doing, uh, or 
sorry, what your heart is looking like with God. And submission is the biggest part of this because um, I was, as we were going through this um, workshop, I told Nathan, I'm like, I'll be honest, when I came to Summit, I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was a pretty good leader. I thought I could, like, I could lead. I could do that. Now, my third year, the more and more classes that I'm in, the more and more chapels that I'm in, I'm like, I am useless. I suck. I'm like, how am I going to do this? But it's this heart of submission. It's this heart of, you know what? I can't do this without God. I cannot, like, all these things are great. All these things are fantastic. But I cannot, man, my biggest thing is I look at my life without Christ. I am such a jerk without Jesus. Like, I am a jerk without Jesus. Sometimes there's been seasons in my life, and this is me being super vulnerable. Um, There were seasons in my life where I would say things, and I would sit down, and I'm like, you suck. Because at the end of the day, without Christ, without what he did in my life, I literally can't fulfill any of these. I can't do it. And we need to be in a heart of submission. We need to be in a heart that we understand that we need to depend on God in everything that we do, in our leadership, and everything has to flow through it and out of that. Yeah, so we just listed these seven things that, that leaders lack. And as Ben finished there, like transitioning, ultimately, none of this is attainable without the Holy Spirit actively living and working in us. And not, even last night, as Kim finished off her message, to remain firm, to stand firm in our character, mm-hmm. is really uh, achievable because the Holy Spirit lives in us, lives in each one of you. And so we've kind of looked at these uh, virtues that we need to be working on in our lives, these values, these like Christian morals. Uh, But really, it's not just like you leave this room because you're in a workshop and all of a sudden you're this amazing person of character. It's a process uh, that the Holy Spirit continues to uh, work out in, in each of our lives. And so I don't want anybody here to have heard even something we talked about and think like, yeah, I failed in that area. And so I'm a terrible leader, and I'm always going to be a terrible leader. Or I'm failing now, and so I'm always going to fail. Maybe there are some things that the Holy Spirit's convicting in your heart right now and is saying, yeah, you need to figure this out. You need to get rid of that uh, in order to be a leader of character who actually influences friend groups, influences people at your school. Um, But again, it's all a process that we're allowed to do this with Christ. We don't have to do it, it on our own. And I think if we view some of this stuff as like, I need to do this, it becomes about willpower. It becomes about willpower and trying to take this on, and you can't carry that. You can't carry that. We're not, we're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We can't put enough work in uh, to carry things like this, to look like Christ on our own. Uh, ultimately, you'll end up faking it if you're not depending on the Holy Spirit to, to help walk you along this path. So just like a few things that I would encourage you to do now in order to begin to look like a character, uh, a leadership, a leader of character, sorry, is I would say uh, surrender on a daily basis, uh, be continuously repentant, recognize like I got issues, I got flaws, I, I don't look like Jesus, and so continuously repent, 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 ask God for forgiveness and know that you're, you're not that great without him. Um, so surrender. Read your scripture. Uh, reading scripture really gives you an understanding of what character looks like. As you discover uh, Jesus in, in the New Testament and you read of these other incredible leaders who have both failed and 
been victorious in their lives in the Old Testament and all through it. You can learn so much about what character really looks like. And I believe there's so much uh, that we can continuously learn throughout our entire lives through Scripture. So read Scripture. And then the last thing would just be uh, spend time in the Spirit, spend time praying, spend time uh, developing an intimate relationship with Jesus, His Holy Spirit, uh, whether that be you know in sessions like in the, the chapel that we have, but also just on your own. I love what uh, Kim was sharing this morning about how her grandma, when her grandma woke up in the morning, the first thing that she did wasn't, you know, got, went and got Kim food, but it was actually like went on her knees and prayed yeah. and prayed, spent time with Jesus. And so uh, if you want to continue to develop in your character, I believe that it starts again in those little things of, of making time with Jesus a priority. Mm-hmm. So spend time with the spirit. Read your scripture, read the Bible, uh, and surrender, repent uh, continuously. So one thing that we want to do is you want to put like this practically, just put this in. It's fresh in your mind. It's right there. Um, you might be having some like convictions. You might be like, hey, um, never mind. Um, you might, you might, it just might be right there. Um, so we want to just give you some, some, some application. Uh, we want to give you some, some tangible things that you can do right now. So on the back of your sheet, uh, I lied, your second sheet. Um, there's a question and it says what are some things that you need to change in order to ensure that you are leading with character so just take a few minutes um, answer this uh, personally and uh, we'll just we'll ravine back in a few minutes and then yeah We were going to get you guys to break up into groups, but we don't have uh, too much time. And so I'm, we're going to get you to just do it individually uh, as you answer that last question. But under the group question, list five virtues or values, qualities uh, associated with the character of leader. I know we kind of started with that, uh, but I think we can finish with like five things that we would say like these are like top priorities for a character of leadership. And then I want to, like part two of that question, would to, to begin to think on like how could I actually implement stuff like this into like my youth ministry. Some of you guys are on like a, an actual like formal leadership team in your youth ministry. Maybe you're not, but that's something that you guys could help develop in your youth ministry. Think of like how could we make this like a standard for all of the leaders in our youth group. So think of some ways uh, that you could do that. And I would encourage you to take some of those thoughts and actually like share them with your youth pastor, talk about them, debrief. You'll have some time for debriefing in your youth groups later, and so I'd actually encourage you to talk with your youth pastor or other people that you might have come with today uh, about how it would, what would, what it would look like to actually implement these things. All right, before we send you guys out of here, um, I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to ask if you have any questions uh, for Ben or myself, or if there's anything that, like, essentially even like a comment you wanted to add in. Um, I guess, I guess for us, we've been thinking about now how to like, um, especially within our student council at the high school, mm-hmm. how to take kind of this information and. Mm-hmm. and kind of pass it on to, like, the rest of the council. Do you guys have any tips on, like, uh, what would work in that sort of context as far as, like, um, sharing it? Mm-hmm. Obviously, modeling it is one, but are there any ideas maybe mm-hmm. from experience that work as far as, um, yeah, sharing this information and mm-hmm. kind of teaching character? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, 
like youth ministries is something we don't like do very often. I, I mean, I'm not like a youth pastor, so I don't have a ton of experience. Um, but I feel like the importance of sharing like the mission and vision of youth ministries as well as the values. I think some of these things are easily transferable just into like values of a youth ministry or a student council at a school. Uh, and so I think being able to like articulate mission and vision of like why we do this, what we do this for, and like this is how we do it. These are the kind of characteristics that we perform these things through. And I think... Um, start like a great start would actually just be like defining some of that stuff from the get-go because so many people don't actually define any of that and so everyone's just like shows up to youth and knows it's about jesus but people don't necessarily know like the specifics of like this is the standard that we want everybody to meet and so just like continuing to like share that and i think if like your leaders and the students within your ministry really have a good understanding of that then it's just like naturally like um will multiply Any other thoughts, questions? Yeah. Um, I do alpha at my school, and what would you say the best way is to like show people that, show people Jesus and that the fact that it isn't just the uh, stereotypical way that it's all rules and regulations, mm-hmm. and, like it changes, it changes lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, like kudos to you to helping run that in your school. That's awesome. That's a great first step right there. Um, I think that's incredible. Um, but I think like it's about like modeling it. I think so often the reason people think that Christianity is about just rules and regulations is because the Christians that they've encountered are only about rules and regulations. And so if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian who wants to, and again, I, I believe you're obviously on a good start if you're doing the Alpha, alpha program. But just, like, being a genuine person, being a real person that, like, models the same kind of relationship building that Jesus modeled, that actually cares about the person and not about their sin, that loves the person yeah. and doesn't get preoccupied about their sin and, and wants to get to know them uh, before telling them, like, oh, hey, you've got a bunch of issues. I think that, just, like, modeling that is is where it starts. Like, evangelism, I think, so much about relationship. And, uh, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I, I just have one more. Really, really important. You mentioned like our friendship. Uh, obviously, our friendship wasn't always kind of that depth. Mm. What are keys to taking people who maybe have friends, mm. but it's like, oh, like I want, I want my friendship to go to that level of depth as far as accountability yeah. and stuff goes, but I just don't know how to how to bring it. Yeah, to that's that good. And you might you can like comment on it too, obviously. But I would say that. It's actually, like, uncomfortable at the start. I'm not going to pretend and be like, oh, yeah, like, just, like, talking about really, like, personal things like purity with your buddy is, like, just something that, like, naturally, it's not necessarily natural in our culture. Um, So I think it, like, takes, like, courage on behalf of, like, one person to, like, initiate that uh, and to begin to say, like, hey, I want to take our friendship to the next level. (laughs) Like, uh, I, I, like... I need this in my life. I recognize the importance of my character. Uh, and I know that um, our friendship can, like, help sharpen me, can help shape me. And so I think it's, like, courage to even, like, take that initial step. Yeah. yeah. Would you say anything else? Yeah. yeah, and for me, like, it was a... I knew, like, there's this growing pressure in leadership, but I knew I needed that depth of friendship. And I have a, a tons of more shallow, more surface-level relationships as a leader who who is relied on by many, 
but I knew that if I was going to last anywhere over five years in ministry, I really deeply needed that relationship. Yeah. So I was actually, the day I was going to ask him, I felt fearful, almost as if I was going to ask him to, to date me. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I ended up working at The Courage. It, it was literally funny because it was like that. And I, and I literally haven't been the same since. Like, my, my leadership is sharpened. My, my relationship with my fiance is sharpened. My, the way I, the way I uh, relate to my siblings is better. Um, but I'm telling you guys, like, your leadership depends on your, your capacity and your ability to open yourself up to accountability. So good. And, and literally, your success or failure depends on it. So and I was broken for that because I, I saw the flaws in my own heart. And I knew I needed Nathan to be that friend for me. Mm-hmm. So, so let someone be that for you, and then you also be that for someone. Yeah. So good. good. Then Nathan, or uh, Daniel is going to do the next workshop, so you're good. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. Any last questions? No? Okay, cool. Well, you guys have... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.